Today, our guest, Kevin Twaddle. How are you getting on? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, you're good. Been a good, good day. Good. From this moment forward, I'm going to call you Twads. I just don't want to introduce you as we said this off here, just the listeners know Kevin Twaddle. Kevin Twaddle. Hi, how's things been? I've been called a lot worse, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> aye, things are, things are good. Aye. Um, aye, life's good. I suppose, obviously, this pandemic is not great for all the things that have been going on in life, but to be fair, I've, I've, found, it, I've found it really good. It's kind of found myself a wee bit as well, doing a lot of different things, and aye, it's just a shame that it takes a pandemic for the maybe be a wee bit put up the, the backside. So, nah, they good. That's good. It gives you that bit of perspective. I know you, I know you mean sometimes take stuff for granted and that, and I've, I've felt the same. I've been doing stuff I wouldn't do, but it's glad, it's good that you're doing it. The run, the running I see on my Twitter, you're, you're doing all right for a man your age. You're still knocking off 5Ks. What's the, what's the personal best? I, um, I've done it. To be fair, I was watching folk, and if I'll be honest with you, I was watching folk last year, last, um, i done my first run in March, and I'm watching these lasses on Twitter, and, like, bigger girls than that girl, and I myself, that's unbelievable, but that's good. They can do it, and I can surely go in there. And I've done my first run, I tell you, it killed me. I was, uh, I stopped about five times or something, like 33 minutes. But I got to do it 23, right, last year, um, yeah. which for me is, but what I find difficult is, um, that was the only thing I was probably good at it, I was running. So, I could run that, like, rapid when I was obviously playing, and now when you look at 23, and you're watching some characters doing it at like 16, 17 minutes and stuff. But I uh, 49, and uh, I know I'm loving it, really loving it mentally and physically. It's the best thing I've probably ever found. It's great, honestly. I'm the same. The running's helped me mentally through this lockdown and not. Well, I've been going out and doing silly runs as well just to keep myself going. I'm not hitting those ridiculous 16 minute times, but those people are freaks that are hitting 16 minutes. Don't worry about them. 23 is perfectly fine. 23 is decent for a man of my age, never mind someone who's 49 year old, Kev. Very kind, thank you. Anyway, we'll get into the reason, well, the main reason why, why you're on today was I put a tweet out a couple of weeks ago saying I want to get into, into gambling as a sort of issue on a podcast because something that's never really impacted me, but I know boys in football that it's just it's just rife. And as soon as I put that tweet out, hundreds of folks saying you, saying you get in touch with yourself and I managed to get in touch and you, you agreed to come on. And I didn't quite know your background, Kev, and until I looked into it a bit more and the book that you released and I read a bit of that and um, aye, it's fair to say you had a bit of problem with gambling, would that be fair? Aye, um, I mean I never ever had the fact when I stopped playing I never had the fact because I was there just to, aye, I mean I can remember Scott Byrne said to me before I'd done my book, Scott Byrne said to me I've got to a seven page thing for the Sunday Mail um, and Scott said to me, listen, you've got a book, and we kind of laughed about it, and he's done a few books, he's wrote Alan McCoy's Watersmith, so he says we could do a book, and it took a couple of years, so I have always been a kind of open book, trying to um, put myself out there, just to let people know that there is, you can change, and there is that help out there, because nowadays, with mental health, the way it is, I think you've got a, a great opportunity to come forward now, and it's no the, the manly thing to do, back in the day when I was playing, I couldn't imagine me saying half the managers I had that were half my managers were half daft. So trying to come to them and tell them about a problem with gambling or I was maybe suffering a wee bit of anxiety, depression, or I mean it just wouldn't have happened. But nowadays, because of the way mental health health is nowadays, um, people are getting that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm really struggling today. And you mentioned it earlier as well. I mean, you'd be amazed at how many people you play football with that you would never have a clue about their backgrounds. You would never know the things that are doing because it's so secretive. I knew most of the boys that played with me, they all knew I gambled, but they never ever knew 
to the kind of lengths that I was going to and the despair that was causing to myself and my loved ones as well. See, you talk about how it's changed the culture and you can be more open about it now, right? I'm trying to think who the gaffers were when you were... I Craig Levine. I Craig Levine at Hearts. Um, and I, Craig's take, like I think it's the fact as well, I think that's going to open knowledge to people as well. Um, I had Billy Davis, who was just a proper amazing guy, amazing person. But just, I know that, it, it just was that kind of, the only person really in my career Paul Sturrock was when I was early doors. Um, Billy Stark would have been a kind of person that would have sat down and let you speak to him. And he was very uh, family-oriented if he had problems or whatever. He'd have been one person that I think was a wee bit more knowledgeable probably than the rest of the people that I've had as kind of managers. But it just wasn't a dumb thing when you're playing football to go into a manager office and say, oh, listen, I'm really struggling here. I've got a loan for thousands and thousands. I lost it yesterday. I didn't really came around with him. Can I feel... Lost, I don't care what's happening. I'm going to go hit my wife, she's going to throw me out. I just thought there's millions of different scenarios I put myself in. The amount of trouble I've put myself in. And I'm really just glad when I look now at the things that you can bet on in football. And that I'm really, really glad I've been playing football and I've never been in jail. I've made out in it. I'm going to say to be proud of it. I'd have been in jail and I'm being serious with you. Billy, Billy Davis used to say to us all the time as well, playing football, he used to say, take centre. Like centre forwards, I used to take centre all the time. Take centre, kick the ball down the corner flag. Everybody pushed through and we'll start the game down there. You're pressing the game right down the corner. You can bet, you can bet on just that nowadays. I've been fighting the ball at left centre. <laughs> you, you, you read that as Matt Letizia's book, or I read about that. He, as soon as they put they brought bets in, they were just straight to kick off, shelling it out. Jink, is that what you mean in terms of today's game, today's the gamble market? You'd be taking advantage of that. I'd have been absolutely, I mean, I was I was never the dirtiest of players. I'd have had yellow tears, red tears, I'd have been, I just, I mean, you, you never ever think of the consequences as well. That's the that's the thing about it. You never think of the kind of things that can happen or the consequences come after it. All you can think is the, the actual obsession of the bet, doing it, and I, you kind of don't ever think of what's kind of got uh, happened in the corner. So I would have been doing all sorts, and maybe would have known about it too. I would have been doing it so privately. But listen, I'm lucky enough that I know loads of things that are going on in Scottish football now and things that because I'm still a part of the game now doing kind of talks and it's absolutely massive in Scottish football now. There's that many people getting investigated now. It's unbelievable. So yeah. if people think that gambling is not gambling's gambling's not like for me, Danny, gambling's not like back in the day where you could bet on football and it was about betting on football and that exhilaration of betting on football. Nowadays it's just an industry. Now it's just football's used as an industry for I mean, the things that you can do, booking shies, corners, it's just, it's been, the, the love of the game's kind of been taken a wee bit for me, um, taken a wee, a wee bit, I think, to be honest with you, but that's just my opinion. No, I completely agree, it's especially, I think, I was speaking to someone about the, the pan, like, watching the football behind closed doors without the fans, and that right now they're just watching the football, a pal of mine, and he's just living for the bets, it's just like, you'll see the advert at half-time, there'll be more promos, whatever, and silly bets, I think someone else said to me, do you, do you remember the goalkeeper who was at some team in England and they were taking the piss because he was fat, he was a big lad, and they were saying that um, if this boy eats a pie at half-time, or if this guy eats a pie on the yeah. bench, right? So they're taking the piss out of him and he's just taking, taking full advantage, you know what I mean? Taking full advantage. But that kind of market, it's just ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. It's that's, turning it into a farce. That's asking for trouble, to be honest with you, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if people think that's funny, then... I unfortunately about gambling, you know what, and, and we'll kind of I'll speak about it as well. That 
you realise in life you've got to, you've got to take responsibilities for the thing you've done. I didn't play bad boots or hills or all the things that have put me in trouble. I didn't blame anybody. I blame myself. I've, I've not had, I've never ever came out and um, had any kind of issues with all the betting establishments that I've they never made me took my money out of my pocket and put the bets on for me. I've done them myself, so I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any complaints about that. I take all responsibility for that. I made a lot of, a lot of bad choices, but when you're Life and addiction, and anybody that is an addiction, didn't have a choice. I mean, family and loved ones in one hand and gambling the other is ever, ever going to be one winner. That's the that's the horrible part that no one will ever get to see. When you're, as I said, there's no consequences, the morals, values, everything are away at the window. And it's, um, I, I mean, I was brought up so well. I had, a, I had an amazing childhood. I mean, my mum and dad, I never wanted for man. I never had loads, but I mean, they never had loads either. I just, I never wanted for man. My sister, my wee, my, my wee sister as well, just... And I mean, as soon as I started betting at 13 year old, I can remember putting that, that first bet on, and it was my dad. My dad said, please pick a, a one feet section. And I'd already been playing pitching and tossing the street and cards and stuff like that, but it was a different exhilaration altogether. Um, and it was pick a one, one feet section. I have the worst memory ever, but I'll never forget, I'll never forget the five teams I picked as well in these boxes. And it was, it was 80 41, and my dad put a pound on freeze and it won. And I thought to myself, straight for that day, I thought to myself, I'm never going to be what this is easy peasy this is like and then before I knew it I was kind of sneaking out the back of where I stayed because the wee bookies was out the back of where I stayed and I was a bit of a bigger boy as well I was getting to put bets on they knew I was young and that as well but I was only putting smaller bets on but it was whatever I could get my hands on and before I knew it I was trying to do things that I wasn't brought up morally and valued uh, the morals and values I had to do and like I was Stealing, lying, cheating, manipulating, even for a very young age. And in the 13 people say to you when they know that you're kind of addicted to, I, I, I could safely say that I knew I was wired differently than anybody else when I put that first bet on. And most people, when you go into meetings and you get that bit of help, when you go for that bit of support, you find out that um, most people that put their first bet on that are compulsive gamblers, they always win. I don't know whether that is a. Uh, but yeah, I just I knew for the very start, I wasn't like anybody else. I knew for me it was. It was all or nothing. And then I, I quickly realised that it didn't matter what I do. If someone says when I walked in to get help the first time I walked in in 2000, October 5th, 2004, I walked into GA. Someone says to me, I'm going to put something to you. If you put £50 notes in this whole room, would you be happy with it? I was like, I'd be buzzing with that. Is would, would you know £100 notes? And I put myself, I would want £50. I mean, it's negative me. It's, there's never a... I could never have a collect button. That's the quickest way I could explain to somebody to know what's a compulsive gambler. I could go and play a machine and put £20 in it, say to myself, if I get to 50 and I've won 30, I can do so many things with it. I'd be so happy, whatever happens. Before you know it, you're at 50 and you're 100. And before you know it, you've got nothing. And that's the way my gambling was. I never had. And that's trying to explain to people who don't have a clue about compulsive gambling. It's, no, it's not just as easy to hit that collect. I couldn't hit that collect button. So... For me, it was it was always going to end up in the one the one situation which was disaster, desperation. Yeah, there's a lot to get into there. The, the, the common trait of like winning your first one, the big eighty four to one, as you said, like that's got to have just triggered that and fueled that, as you say. See your point. See that in terms of impact on your uh, on your family and football. So I'll start with. I'll start with football, just because football podcast. Did it impact your performance at all? Do you believe? Um, your, your gambling habits? That's, that's a hard question to be fair. I always look back and I think to myself, I mean, I've spoke to previous managers that I've had and 
spoke to them honestly and openly since we've like since I, like and I still keep in contact with managers now people are still keep contact with Billy Stark, Frank, Frank Connor boys that Billy Davis are still keeping contact with people. I'm, I'm good that way as well. That I've had a lot of help and support for a lot of people and. Aye, I mean, the amount of people that say to me, Billy Stark's probably the most honest guy on the planet. And Billy said to me, that Billy, when I signed the water, Billy, Billy was sitting me doing in front of me, saying to me, I can't actually believe that you're signing here. He said, I can remember at one point when you started your career at Celtic, what to sign me. And whether he was meaning that for me, to, just for me, the thing to come, or Billy never had any reason for it to be like that. When he, I, I, I'd already been won over by who he was and, and Kenny's, the presence he'll never about him. And so he didn't have to say things like that. So when you look back, I honestly can't believe I've done as well as what I've done. I played for 10 years at a decent level. And I've done, I've done relatively well for myself. I think most clubs I've been at, apart from Harps, the, the club that I'd obviously wanted to be the best at, I was a Harps supporter. But at every other club, I've been lucky enough to go back and do loads of things for clubs. I've had a great report with supporters, which is really, really nice. I've had a lot of touching things happened in the last year for, for fans and for, for clubs and I am I'm amazed at what I've done in the football games. Because I've got to say to you, my life was absolutely so unmanageable. It was unbelievable. I mean, I was, I mean, I could be losing like whatever amounts of money I was on a Friday and playing on a Saturday. And all I was thinking about was what I'd lost the day before. Or and most days I was playing football. I was putting huge coupons on as well. I mean, I can I can safely say, and people laugh and joke about this. And this is, this is not to say we pride either. People would say to me, like, we talk about all different places you're playing in Scottish, I've been lucky enough to play everywhere, but in Scotland, obviously. And I never, ever, 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 ever had a good game at Ibrox, never. And I can safely say to you that most of the game, I was sitting looking at the scores, because the scores used to come through Ibrox, and uh, I used to say I watched the scores coming through, because I couldn't on it, and that's, that's embarrassing, by the way, I didn't say that in any... But I can, I, I, I was totally lost, absolutely obsessed with... And it totally and utterly took you in my life, even training that as well. I mean, I never, I wasn't a great trainer in the world as well. I wasn't interested. All what I did was get away, so I'd go back and be easier for training. And so, I, you know what, I've either been lucky or um, I, someone's been looking after me because I actually done, actually done all right. And people can say, I mean, I've had opportunities as well. And gamblers take away opportunities. I, mean, I had the opportunity to go inside the Sheffield United um, in 2003, just before I signed the Hearts. And, I went down there on my side for it. This is how delusional I was when it came to gambling and how, how delusional I was to life. And I went down there and I spoke to Kevin Blackwell and Neil Warnock and they took me out for dinner the night before and they were there with their wives and I was there myself and had a great night with them. They sold me the world. Eh? And then I, and I had left mother at the time because we'd met in administration. And the next day, my agent came down and my agent, the chairman and everybody else spoke put a deal, three-year deal, ridiculous money, relocation money, huge signing on, three-year deal with a year option, my option as well. And I, I went away from there, and I'll never forget as well, I went out on the, near one up to the outside, and we went up the stairs um, at Bramall Lane, and went outside, and I, I've never had a feeling through my whole football career, maybe he's ever made me feel the way he made me feel, and I mean, I hadn't even signed for a man. And he was sitting saying to me, it, the hair's in the back of my head, he's talking about now, I can see the people in the back of that, I can see them, they're singing their name, they're, they're tricky one, and they're going to love you. And, and I'm no kidding, I was blown away with the guy. And I'm all the way up the road, I'm sitting there, whatever, I'm not even, I'm not even bothered about And he's like, I know, but you can go to Hertz, you can bargain, you can. And when the Hertz decided a year, a year deal right, we are a year option, it was Hertz's option. Just crazy, I mean, anybody in the right mind, we are we we a third of the money I was being offered as well. 
But you know what? It kind of made me realise, and I look back at it now as well, my nana was dying at the time. My nana was really not well. And I was really close to my nana. I'm saying really close. I mean, I kind of stole her money before she died as well. Things that I could never take back. Things that were just despicable as well. And I was only been it hurts maybe two and a half, three months and my nana died. Um, so I never when I got the opportunities kind of that are that I kind of would have getting to go down and see her kind of every day when I was at Hertz as an Edinburgh boy as well. So, but I, I mean, anybody in their right mind, please, you're not for the opportunity to go down and play at such a brilliant standard as well. Signed for a year at Hertz because I supported them for a year option. I was there six games and broke my neck. No, that lucky day over. So, what was it? Why did you decide that then? What was it? Was it because your nanny wasn't well or was it just? I didn't come up looking back. I mean, I was a rich family boy. And, I don't know, I had a chance to sign the Hibs when I was 16 as well. But I, I mean, I was watching Hertz all over the world when I was like 12, 13 years old. I loved, there was a mad jambo. I don't know, I mean, I spoke to Craig Levine. I came out, he was kind of desperate to get me. He said, you know, this is a dream move, you've wanted all your life. And I don't know, I, think, I just think I, my life is so... I mean, I was moving from club to club and the only reason I was moving from club to club was to pay the debts I was due to each club I moved there. That's, yeah. that's the honest truth. I would have stayed at... Some of the clubs I was at, I was at St John's in my first career move. I went to Dumbarton to St John's and I signed a two-year deal, got a 20-year first year, done really well first year. Got linked to so many clubs all over the place. Second year, I had an injury, it was a good, a good part of the season. And then um, got offered a two-year deal at the end of it. And I signed the race to play a year. I, I knew where they were gone, they were in the Premier League, but I knew they were going straight down because the team they had was chance to move home, make their money, every chance to play in the Premier League for a year. Obviously, I knew what was happening with Christmas, so Johnston were up, not the Premier League, and they were going to the first division again. It just, some of the choices I made were just ridiculous. But it was to get myself out of a lot of bother I was in as well, which nobody knew. That's why I asked the question, because you see your football career is decent, like good steps in terms of like good big clubs and that. So in terms of performance, it seems like it didn't affect it too much, but in terms of See impact on you. You've already mentioned it briefly, but an impact on your family. Who who are we talking about here? You mentioned your nan. What about your your other half? Your wife at the time, or was a what kind of things were going on? I mean, I've been things? in. I, I mean, I've been in. I've been in relationships kind of pretty much through my. I was in a long relationship um, through when I was younger, through the early doors of my football career, um, and then obviously. Uh, I was your last even I was at Hearts and that as well. The relationships have ended. I mean, I just turned into a I I was the biggest lie and cheating and I feel I loved the life of it up there as well. I mean, I was I mean I was like Frank McAmini's love child as well. I mean I was going to carry on and just did some I just was I just was just wasn't a very nice individual. I was I it wasn't I wasn't nice to be honest with you. And it caused it caused so many eruptions and relationships and that as well. I just and the funny thing is see if you have to go around most clubs that I've been at. Most people that you would speak about me, and I'm not finding myself up, I would think it would be anyway. Most people would say the things about me because I was like a clown. I was a clown there. I was just a proper joker at a football club. All the boys got on amazing ways, especially younger boys. I was just an amateur. Kind of, I went to painting, uh, playing football. And I was telling you, living the dream, but I lived in this. You know what it's like yourself when you play football. Sometimes you live in this kind of bubble and you're no different to anybody else. But I can, I, I can. I was aware of it when I was playing football, to be honest with you. Relationships. My mum and dad, if it had been for my dad, I mean, I'd have left my mum and dad homeless, if I'm being honest with you. Um, my dad was more wiser to what I was doing. My mum was just a typical mum, seen me in a lot of bother, bailed me every time I was getting bothered. I was 
lying, cheating, manipulating, doing all the things that I was never brought up to do, and that's what gambling done to me. It changed me into a, it changed me into a really, really horrible individual. Um, but you know what? It's funny because over the last year through this pandemic, I've done a thing as well. I've done a steps program. Um, I went through a steps program an alcoholic um, last January. I mean, I was in GA for 2004. I went a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years playing gambling. But you know what? See, last year in January 28th, January 28th, I went out to Castle Craig's, a treatment centre, um, that my mate's a therapist in, and broke down. You know what? I was I was sick and tired of my life. I was I tried to commit suicide in 2004, ended up in the hospital for a few days, massive cry for help. But in 2000, uh, 2020, last year, in January 28th, I mean, there's not a lot of people know that. I mean, I've done a few things for like STV and Peter's and Chocolate or whatever, but I, I was in a really bad place last January. I, I, I just, it wasn't about, about the gambling. I realised that I wasn't very good at dealing with things in life. Um, and I went to a 12-step recovery program. It took me nine months, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I now realise, and mentally say that you're talking about all these things as well, and I now realise, you know what? Gambling was never my problem. Gambling was my solution to all my problems. So... I went through a programme now, I have two responses that I take through a programme. It's changed my life. It's gave me a life that's... I just never could have imagined the life that I've got today, and I've been able to apologise to myself as well, because I never knew I could have had a life like I've got today. Proper dad, proper someone who's there mentally and physically, came from my daughter, which is the most important thing in the world to me, to be there for all my family members. Um, I, I never I never had that opportunity, but I never ever realised that through all the years, he'd been 50 years in G. And one old person said to me when I walked in the door, if the person doesn't change, it walks in, the person will walk back at the same person. And that's exactly what happened to me. I never, ever changed. I was still lying, cheating, manipulating, and doing all the things that I just that never made me. Now, now I know what being a good person is. And I went through a program that was the toughest thing. I've even had my book took two years, it was really tough to do. Soul searching, but I've done a lot of soul searching over the last year. And the pandemic's the best thing that's ever happened to me. So it's no great, but I have to say this thing saved my life, to be honest with you, doing this programme, this 12 steps, and, it, and it's made me realise that I, a lot of my problems were with gambling. My, my solution to gambling was, and it's when you're trying to explain to someone as well, I mean, I had a mis, we, had, we had a few miscarriages, not me and my wife, but a few really, really painstaking miscarriages. And I can remember walking out with one of my miscarriages and walking straight in the witness. And I'd been I'd went a lot, a lot of years without gambling. A lot, a lot of years. And someone would say, well, why would you even... And but what I tried to explain to people was, and when I first went to start this programme as well, when I was trying to explain to people, the feeling of walking into a booties and com- not completely forgetting about it. You've just walked into another miscarriage, your third miscarriage. It wasn't about the pain in the, the thing of the third miscarriage. It was walking in the doors and feeling in a place where everybody was cuddling into me, it was like I was, it was like I was home, the outside world was, that's, that's what Gambling done for me. Unfortunate part is I had to walk back to the door again, back into real life, and now I've kind of dealt with a lot of things, and I changed my life, sorry for rattling on about that. But. No, so much to get into there, honestly, like, I was taken aback, I didn't know half of that stuff, quite incredible, but aye, it's like, it's like a coping mechanism, isn't it? It's like, whenever things are tough, or whenever, like, I know, I've got certain coping mechanisms that aren't as harmful, but like still are not probably the best thing to do. But when I'm feeling a certain way, I go. But whereas yours is gambling and it's a slippery slope, as you say, it's it's, it's snowballed uh, for yourself on several occasions. But 
Aye. Uh, anyway, you don't to, to admit though to go on to, to to go to the therapist or whatever. That's huge. That, do you not think that's huge progress and like a huge step for yourself rather than I don't know. He's uh, he's my he's my he was my best pal at the time, and I just walked down in front of him and I said, you know what, I've. And I mean, he walked into the treatment, he walked into GA a year after me, he walked into 2005, we became best pals, my missus is best pals, his missus, and I just broke down and said to him, you know what, I need help, I need, and he said to me, the one thing you need help me, you need to um, get someone to um, take you through the programme, sit and listen to people, because your problem is you don't know what to listen to anybody, shut your mouth and listen, listen and learn, and I, you gave me an alcoholic that, I can remember sitting down and speaking to him after about the first 10 minutes. I thought, well, still, there's no chance he's going to teach me anything. Like, because I thought I'd do everything. And, um, I just thought, you know what, he's, he's near, I don't know, he's near brash and near hanging than what I was. And I love the guy. He's changed my life. He's he's became a huge part of my life. And I, it's like a right there. I've got somebody that I can always, I, I now speak to him once a week. I've been able to speak to him like two and three times a week to go through this. Program and now, as I said, I'm taking two people through it. There's one halfway through it now and changes his life in a way that's and it's just magic. It's nice to be a good person, it's nice to be there for people. And I've always done that, I've always been there with that message. You hope I've helped so many people, but I've just never helped myself. Do you know what I mean? I've been there to help everybody. I've gave that special message you hope, and um, and it's bizarre. I mean, I've been through my life, I've got tattoos you hope when I walked into GA, tattoos you hope all over me. And then I had my real assay in 2016. She was a miracle, absolute miracle through IDF. And the real assay is called Focus. I'm lucky as well in the world, mate. Brilliant, brilliant. It's, it's, seeing you see you've got that guy, I know myself, like, but my pals, I know there's certain pals I can't be, have their serious conversations, can't unload my problems on. I don't feel comfortable doing it, but if you have that one that one person, like I know I've got a couple that I can, it makes a hell of a difference to me, just from a mental health perspective, just being able to actually be real and not as a footballer. Seeing the football dressing would have been even more savage back when you were playing, but you're just flinging shit at each other. There's no serious conversation. So it's good to have that you've got that obviously now, that person that you can you can offload a bit on, you know what I mean? Because if, I can imagine what 20 years ago there wasn't many characters in the St. Johnston dressing that you could share those those issues with, I'd imagine. No, I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine they sent the boys like Roddy Grant and that listen, I'm struggling with that. I mean the probably butter dropped in the place to be fair. But I and to be fair, I mean you know what, see the see the see the thing is it's it's amazing. See if you can become vulnerable in life and you can put your hands out and ask for that help and support and ask for that wee bit of courage and strength, it's it's the greatest gift ever. And it's really brave. I always talk about that now. I mean, can what advice would you give to somebody or just having that and I think now it's a lot more susceptible to do it now than it was back in the day, but it's still more an excuse could have done it back in the day. But now, even just to say to somebody, you know what, I'm really struggling, and I'm lucky I deal with people privately, but I'm not lucky enough to be able to be able to go to jail and stuff like that because they're high, high profile football players. Um, and they're just to give them that wee bit of, I, I can't even stop what they're doing, or I can't even, but I'm there for them just to be that, I just to be that person they can offload with, you know, they can trust me with and in the cities and um, I, I feel sorry a lot of the time because there's a lot of players who are very high profile players playing in the English Premier or playing the Scottish Premier that ah you know what it, it's for publicity wise and whatever it's, it's a joy for, for, for publicity for people to see people struggling in life it's a Scottish mentality thing that maybe as we get a wee bit better now but I mean that's all nobody wants to see any football players doing well because they play football and they're football players and you know what? They're just, they're just normal people. They're nice people. There's a lot of really nice people that 
can I've been lucky enough to have met so many amazing football players with just aye, amazing people. But the media just want to bring football players doing that sports all about. And to have that, to have the, the most precious gift that I've ever been able to say to anybody is if you can make yourself vulnerable and you can be emotional, it's the greatest gift in the world. I've never showed any emotion. I watched my nana dying for stealing more money off her. I didn't I couldn't wait to get away from the funeral because I wanted to go better. And I mean it's just sad, sick. I can't change these things. I'll never want to forget them, but I can't dwell on them. I can't change what's happened in the past. I can only change the day and the morning. I can the day in the morning that I'll be that better person. I've made up to my, my nana in ways that I can now. She's not here anymore, but I've kind of um, I have done steps to to free myself and all that because you know what? I had so much guilt in the morning when I could have killed myself again. So yeah. It's brilliant advice about being involved with brilliant advice and hopefully people that are listening do that because even now it's, it's still difficult. Anyway, they are talking about the, the culture of gambling and football. You'll know working the PFA, I'll know, we'll, we'll agree right now eh, that there's still a big culture of gambling and, and football. I think we can agree on that. Why Why do we think that is? Why do you think that football football has just seemed susceptible to gambling? Well, you know what, can, like, as I said, I take responsibility for everything I've done. What I find very frustrating, though, and I have to be honest with you, is how Scottish football can be sponsored by every betting firm and football teams are thing we do there. And, you know, I don't feel, I feel for the younger kids in that. I feel for the younger kids in that. It's just, it's, it's I mean, it, nobody gets to see. I mean, if someone was to say to me, listen, you can make yourself a millionaire by playing on the vulnerable, because that's what it is, it's playing on the vulnerable, that's what, it doesn't matter what society you come from, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. It wouldn't matter when I was a painter, I was making a couple of hundred quid. I was a fiddle player making a couple of grand. It was still going, the money was still going the same day I got paid. So it didn't matter what I was making, the money was immaterial. But I mean, everything you watch, I mean, every, every advert you watch, I mean, you listen to the radio during the day, I'm a painter, I listen to the radio, Foxy Bingo and all these. I mean, the amount of women that are struggling in life nowadays as well, again, it's just, in football, football is just a, it's an industry now where so many people love football, so why not use football as an opportunity just to spread this word right across? And I mean, for people who are younger, like myself, I mean, I was 13 when I started, and I'm not saying, you know what, people say to me now, and I'm honest enough, the people would say to me, did these adverts bother you when, I, when you were playing? Did these make you mad? And they wouldn't have stopped me either, to be honest with you. I was already on a path to destruction until I'd already destructed myself and I wanted to get until I've had that gift of desperation, as it's called, and then I had to get help. Um, but now, nah, I mean, football, if you were to say to me, or you were to say, and being honest with you, Scottish Premier Division, the First Division, Second Division, and Third Division, now you know yourself, you're not meant to be betting on any football whatsoever. If you were to say on a Saturday morning, right, we're going to go to another club, and we're going to go to all the players, and if anybody's got a bet on the day, or anybody's had a bet on the football during the week, then I'm all playing the day. You wouldn't have any football on a Saturday. And I'm being serious with you, because I would guarantee you, a huge percentage of football players, I'm not talking about to the state I was putting, by the way, I'm talking about just putting these small football bets on that some people can dare. It's amazing they can do that. I just can't. But you know, try to tell me, everybody puts football papers on it. It's just, and you know what, to be like Brian Rice, in fact, to come out as brave as he was and stuff like that. And then the PFA, sorry, for the SFA to go, no, I never got hammered to be fair. It was actually not too bad what he got. But, but even to be punished for, and geez, they're, they're I just it's so hypocritical because Hills, Ladrooks, three six five, they're all they're all part of Scottish football. And how can you kind of justify a lot of the things you're trying to say to players? Then you gamble, it's then you date, you can't date. 
yet they're taking all these, they're taking all this money for them and it's like snooker golf, every sport nowadays, there's no gambling firms betting them because they're morally they're doing things properly. Football seems to be the only place there now that but if you're asking me would it stop would it have stopped me back in the day or not wouldn't it have stopped me? So I'm not saying that it's gonna I just feel for the younger generation because it's young kids get paid pittings at full time clubs, ten, two, three hundred quid, whatever it is, and it's so easy just to lose your wages in a day. I'm lucky, you're lucky as you said, you, you get to see when we were going with the PFA and you're they're, they're putting the big screen up the big projector and they're saying this is what we're coming here today for we're doing a gambling um, talk on gambling and automatically it's the usual dressing room the boys are like oh I think this is for you Johnny <laughs> and John Johnny's sitting in the front demoralised you know I mean? and it is it's oh, it's funny but you never ever get to see the pain and the carnage that it causes because it causes destruction like um, I'm lucky that I mean I've watched I've watched new people since I've been in G commit suicide as well and it's just through gambling, it's just it's just insidious man, it's horrible. And it's not a beautiful game now. For me, I sit and watch things now and I watch people getting booked, or I sit and watch people I bookings, people kicking the ball out the park, or, and I'm thinking to myself, geez, that's a bit I mean I should never be thinking about that, but it's what's a beautiful game. It's what everybody loves and for to even think they can things that I don't know whether it's just causing me I think like that or whether other people think I don't know. You mentioned earlier, see the the the, the hypocrisy obviously Brian Rice coming out and then being threatened to be stung with a ban. I worry that because of these rules and because it's been thrust upon that it sponsors everything, that when they do come out, the shame of um getting punished, the shame that that's gonna just We'll just, we'll just keep going. We'll just keep snowballing, snowballing, rather than just coming out now and then getting it over and done with. They don't want that punishment, so it's just going to snowball. So I agree with you. The hypocrisy of um, these these the uh, sponsors, Ladbrokes or whatever, sponsoring Scottish football, it's it's no good optic. It doesn't look good. But at the same time, they'll argue that um, where else are we going to get the money from? So John, would you say that's a fair argument if the SPFL turned and went, listen, we need the money? Would you be able to? Would you would you be able to say no? Nah, get a, a different company to sponsor. What would your argument be to them? Do you think seriously, though? Do you think Scottish football? Do you think Scottish football would be able to get people to sponsor? Would they be able to? I think Scottish football. I don't know about the revenue it brings in. I don't know about that. I don't know about if they could bring in as much money as what. But you think loads of people want to sponsor Scottish football. Whether they could bring in the revenue that the gambling firms are able to do because they're making the money they make for it through a government. No, probably no, no. So I can see basically the argument at the end of the day that, I mean, listen, let's be honest with you, the boys like, I don't even know, Neil Doncaster and people are even there, stop party football now, they're not bored, and they're just bored about them, you know what I mean, getting paid, getting wages, Scottish football's being sponsored, that enables them to stay in a job, and so I can see it off to that side as well, totally. Yeah. But I just think, listen, there's other sports like snooker, like, they're not sponsored with drinking cigarettes and things like that, they're all sponsored by morally good people and good companies and I do think that Scottish football probably could could have been the revenue I don't know Ken, I am I'm no I'm not that financially aware anymore yeah. kind of money that I just know that they pumped so much money in the um, football the betting industry so it's crazy the amount of money they're making though. That's what like there's something wrong with a gambling company. People need to be able to see that that these companies, Labrooks, William Hill, all these they're making ridiculous amount of profits. Where are they making these profits from? They're by preying on vulnerable, really. Um, there's no way they could get that kind of status just by that everyday 
someone losing a quid, two quid. It's people losing thousands and thousands. So uh, it doesn't say well with me. Because um, a lot, what would you, how would you feel about like alcohol sponsorship then? See, like in terms of like, say, tenants or whatever sponsoring, yeah, would you I'd, feel I'd, the same I'd, way I'd, or would you would just be? I'd, I'd feel the exact same way. I, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky enough now that I'm partly out. I didn't even drink. I'm in AA. I go to AA twice a week. They're part of my meetings because of my sponsor. My sponsor's an alcoholic. So, I, for me, I've, I've watched the, I've watched for the last year and two months, I've watched the power of what alcohol does to people as well. And Listen, I'm just lucky that I wasn't an alcoholic because alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it was going to be for me, gambling was my choice of drug, as it's called. Um, I've never taken a drug in my life. I've never smoked a fag in my life. Not to be proud of it, but I just never have. Um, I never would. But for me, gambling, so for me, now drink, now I've watched the carnage that drink destroys people and I see it every week. So now for me, it, I drink, drink's up there. No, it's as bad as gambling anyway. So now, I, don't know, I just think morally it should be like, I mean, every, you watch all sports now, no sport club gambling. Snooker was huge. Fags, drink, gambling. There's many it now. It's all, it's all kind of done morally in the right. But as you said, I'm not going to argue because it, I, I mean, you look at life and society, there's an epidemic of gambling in life and society in general. Take away football, I mean, everything, it's an epidemic. But why is it an epidemic? Because the government makes so, so, so much money through gambling, they can't stop, they can't stop doing things because they make too much money. So, unfortunately, it's something that's been started and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all the day now, as you said, as the, the kind of prey on the vulnerable, but flip side of the coin, I'm no I'm not gonna sit here and say to you that because I mean my dad likes putting a wee bet on and stuff like that. There's normal people like a bet stuff. I wouldn't want to take that away to anybody. I just know that if you're anything like myself or you, you can be like myself, the karma the destruction that it causes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. In terms of what we should do with young footballers then, in terms of educating, do you feel that education should play a part? Because I think when I was at school which was not that long ago, 12, 13, 14 years ago. There was none of this. There was no education on this. And there wasn't any in football when I first started. So there can't have been when you were starting as well. Do you feel that that could go some way into into helping uh, sort of nip it in the bud early doors? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did talks in schools as well, believe it or not. And like people would say to you, why would you go and talk to 14, 15, 16 year olds and stuff? And even 13-year-olds, and it's not so much. When you go do these talks as well, you're doing these talks. There's a lot of kids at these schools whose mums and dads are arguing every night. They're causing carnage every night, whether it be with drinking, with drugs. or So you're giving them the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm here to help, or I'm here for you to speak to. Where are kids going to get the opportunity to? In life, I'm talking about take away from football. But yeah, in football, my word, it should be the first thing that kids get. There should be a programme set out for kids, uh, like an education, so that, I mean, they get, I mean, back in the day, I think, I don't know if they're still doing it now, but everything has gone now, I don't know what's happening now, but, I mean, kids were getting a wee bit of an education as well with different things in case when they got put out of football, there was a lot of kids struggling when they came out of football, they weren't getting contracts right into the real world and they're struggling, but as a footballer, education, trying to let people understand the, the pitfalls of gambling, the way it can take you for sure. Especially for kids, Danny, I think that's massive. Yeah, and I mean, we were going and doing these things with the PFA, with Fraser Bishop, with Jack Ross. We were going and doing these chats, and it really opened your eyes up to kind of pain and carnage it gambling causes, especially in young kids. I mean, it's life. I mean, it only takes one person at risk, but before you know it, they're all doing it. 
And I mean, they're not making great money though. And then before you know it, Ken they start doing the things morally that I did me and I, it's just, for me, that's massive. And there's no enough, there's no enough awareness in football for kids. None, none at all. There was a wee bit, and I know that the PFA do a loads of great stuff, that they do a loads of amazing stuff. But I mean, gambling companies could even pump, I mean, the money they make, there, there should be money made available for for an education for kids, for sure. Definitely, I think that's I think that's a necessity in football for kids, yep. And you're bang on. It's just getting the gambling companies to do it. They don't want it, obviously. It's just such a double-edged sword. It's, ah, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Yep. It really is. Uh, like I was going to say for kids as well, I don't know if you're aware, but you know, have you played FIFA before? Have you ever seen... No. no, right. So there's, it's, it's ingro- they, they have got built-in things in their game where you can buy packs, they call them, right? And it's, I'm a teacher, so I'm aware of this for the kids, right? And they're spending hundreds on these packs and they're gambling 100%. on getting Neymar. They're gambling on getting Mbappé in a pack. It's like the equivalent of a sticker, like, a, like when we were younger, sticker books. And you get ones that are, their mum's cards attached to it and then they get their mum up, they get their mum in a grand debt because the mum did before they realise and it's getting them young in these games and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. Anyway, I just, it sort of jogged my memory when you said going into schools to teach, it was, that's, it's, it's built in them when they're young. So I think it's the best thing to do is go in. You're, right, you're, getting knowledge, you're getting knowledgeable about this stuff as well, because even you sit talking about it now, it's brilliant by the way. I mean, nobody would even think about what you're sitting talking about. If I've heard about this as well, but I didn't play computers or whatever, but um, I have heard about the stuff that you've got to get like you've got to pay money for it to get extra things or you've got to try win things to I mean that's that's I mean that I mean that is even I mean that, I find that I find that really really devastating. I find that gutting like yeah. I really do. That's not even I mean they just didn't see the carnage and the ah it's just it's yeah. sick, it's sad. And as you said when it comes to football, it is it's a double edged sword. Um, I think in schools as well, as I said, I don't I mean I, I would be happy enough to go out and speak to any kids and stuff like that, especially kids 15, 16, but even younger kids because, I mean, the, the amount of carnage that goes on that kids get to see in that as well, kids for their parents, and uh, it's, it's just devastating. But gambling's, uh, gambling's devastating. Oh. Right, for you, I want to know, bits of advice, if you were, someone was listening now, right, and they're in the midst of a, a real issue with gambling, they're, they're chucking hundreds away and they want to stop, but what, what advice would you give? What was the first? What would the first thing you would be to tell them if they were listening to do for, that's worked for you? See the unfortunate part for the unfortunate part about that is that's a, like a double edged sword question as well because when you're in the throes of doing the things that you're doing, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter what anybody says to you or, as I said to you before, you've got to get that gift of desperation. You've got to be in a place where you're kind of thinking all exhausted, all avenues of money and. But I mean, yeah, if you can open up and you can say to somebody like myself, I mean, I'm quite open and honest about where my life's been and what I've done. And, and you know what? I get great pleasure and that's what life's all about for me today. Just helping other people is a great sense of joy. I, I didn't agree with purposely just to help people for, but just speak, just just say you're struggling. Just, especially as a football player, as a young football player, if there's anybody out there that's listening, it's 15, 16, you're all 17 and you're really struggling and you're listening to where it can take you from our point of view and stuff like that. Just reach out, reach out and ask for that help. You've got an opportunity nowadays. There's so many people. I mean, you can go to your manager, even if you struggle to think that you can go to your manager. I mean, you can go to the PFA, you can speak to people privately like me that just would try and maybe lead you in a different direction or path. To, but there is help out there. There is definitely help out there. 
unfortunately, when you're in the, when you're in that when you're in that cycle, it's very very as an addict, it's very difficult for you. And the addiction, by the way, doesn't start like at teenage years with all of it starts as a young age. Like I mean, I was I can safely say I, my brain my brain was frazzled when I was 13, 14 year old, and I know that by all the things I was morally brought up naughty day and what I was doing and stuff like that. So just ask ask for help, and you know what, see. See somebody coming to me and saying to me, and in any walk of life or any company saying I'm really struggling today, and it's just I, I take I take my heart off to people because it's so hard, it's so difficult to say you need help. Like it's so difficult. Yeah. But yeah, just just try to be brave. Try try to reach out and ask that one person for that wee bit of help. Yep. Yeah. Again, when you said that you were so young, when 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 your head was. Getting frazzled, it just shows you how much important it is to get them in the early rather than when you're 25, 26, in the midst of it. You can't you can't stop. See, right now, where you are in life and you're saying you're healthy, what kind of things keep you away from like, going back into old habits? Well, see, the thing, by the way, I've never, I've ne- well, I mean, I was big thinker when I played football, but I've not had that for years and years. Yeah. I'm not a drinker. As I said, the only reason I go into the meetings is because I realise now that gambling's... I go into mostly things called steps meeting, so it's all about the steps, all about life and this big toolbox you get to go into the steps. And um, I, I mean, I, I, I work hard on a daily, on a daily. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that you know what I've got. To, I've got one of the greatest gifts in the world. And I'll tell you what I do every night. I go to my bed every night and I'll spend ten minutes in the darkness and I'll look back on my day and I look where I could have been better, where I could have been better than my daughter, where I could have been better than my wife, where I could have been better than anything that I've found during the day. If it, if for me that I went overboard, I've got to do a wee bit of writing and stuff like that, go back to my steps, not again. And I've got to say sorry next to game day. It never ever happened to me fair. I never have to go, I never get that agitated now where I was a really angry boy like that was anger's my main act out as well. If anything's going to hang in me, I'll act out in anger like and, and I'm not even a fighter table, I'm a big boy, but I, I just I worked hard at night making sure I clear my day, making sure that I got up next day in the morning and I've not to worry about for next day in the morning that I've done the best I can in my day and I'm being the person that I'm meant to be. And I got up in the morning, I'd be a mental. I'd be, by the way, I was, a, I was a mental case when I played football, by the way. I'm now doing a step three prayer in the morning and I do a bit of meditation. It's crazy stuff. Crazy. How have, you you got, how, how have you got into that? Like, how have you got into that? Someone recommended this? Little steps. Yeah, perfect. So part of doing my steps. Um, it's part of... Step one is realizing life, you're unmanageable, life's power, you're powerless to life, powerless to gambling, um, your life's unmanageable. Step two is finding a higher power. Step three is using your higher power through the day, no going out with Kevin's will, because if I go thinking about the wife, because my, my, my brain's there's no wire like anybody else's. Um, step four is looking back at your past, all your resentments, all the, all the parts that you've played, all these resentments through your life. Five's about. Um, like uh, five about your sexual conduct, clearing all your sexual conduct, going and saying sorry to people and that things people are, you have harmed and um, sex about all the character defects I've had in life, the horrible, horrible ego pride, being this horrible individual. I had about seventy character defects, um, probably could have there. And then seven's changing. I'm going to go into living your life by twelve principles: courage, kindness, tolerance, patience. Things that it sounds mental, by the way. <laughs> I used to be a bummer, by the way. This sounds like that, but. This this has saved this has saved my life. Believe me, this is this has gave me. I went 15 years in a gambling, and all I was was a, what people would call a dry drunk. I never changed. All I done was stop gambling. I didn't want to be that person. It's horrible, and I want to I want to have no gambling in my life, but I want to have 
And then, ah, eight and nine's gone up and doing your amends, going saying sorry to all the people that you had in your step four, your resentment, step tens, having a conscious thing with the God. Eleven's, um, game I'm talking, prayer meditation, um, and twelve's giving back. And that's what I do every day. I try to give back. I try to do, that's part of your, part of your program when you go through the steps. You've always got to give back. You've always got to take people on as a sponsee. And, and that's what I do today, and it gives me the like I've got. I feel like the luck is down the world today, Danny. I really do. And you know what? Life's no great every day, believe me. But I've got this huge, massive toolbox that enables me to be a good person today. I don't have to act out on the way I used to act out on all this anger and all this. And did I get it wrong? Definitely. But you know what? I go to my bed every night knowing that what I've done, what I've done is the best that I could have done and clear my day. And I get up next to the day with a really good mindset in the morning that. If anything's got to go wrong in my day, I'm going to be I'm going to be the person that's going to make it wrong, not anybody else, because it's just I the way I am. I'm wired differently, probably anybody else. But full of gratitude, me. I've I've got the luckiest life in the world. And people would say, do you know, wish you had this when you were younger, when you're playing football, and they, you know what, I had to do all the things in life to be a good person on the day. And I, I firmly believe that, and I'm here for a reason to do the things I'm doing today. Um, and I do believe I help people where we get the structure of it. So. Yeah, that's great. And I think your the twelve step stuff, even for people that aren't addicts, some of the stuff you say there, it's just it's actually a good thing to live your life by. And by the way, I started meditation and I got ripped the piss ripped out of me, rightly so probably. But do, do you know what? It's it, it, mindfulness in the morning. It's helped me get some perspective. Right, gratitude lists at night, writing three things that worked well the day. And it's the kind of thing if you'd looked at as a teenage boy, me saying I'm doing this, I'd be like, who would what's happened to you but it's actually it does give you that gratitude gives you that perspective and um i it's just hard for as you say you're a bama and to get from there to here where you are now it's a hell of a journey it is a hell of a journey but see now see now i don't mind now for me it doesn't bother me now i'm i'm opened up i've got my soul to be fair harder for you in football even although maybe you're a character and a lot, I mean, I know a lot of people annoy you and stuff like that and love you like great boy and stuff like that. You've done really well with your teaching, with your life as well. But it's hard even when you're in that. When you say to somebody, I'm doing a new meditation, to me, it's part, of my, it's part of what saved my life and it's what gives me the opportunity to be the person I'm day for you to go start talking to football boys. And you know what? It's that fear of the unknown. People like in 2016, a boy wanted to take me through steps and I'm like, I don't know, all the jiggery cockery, it's all magic stuff and all, all mental and all whatever. Just that horrible, not even willing to listen to somebody that wanted to try and help you, not even, and it's all for the better yourself at the end of the day. It's not about, it's about better yourself, but you live in this world as a footballer, even down levels or up levels, whatever you're playing at, that aye, people would see meditation as being, and it is, it's, to, to people it's fun, and it's, aye, but you, to, to me, it's something that's gave me the life I've got today, and I'm really grateful for it. So, um, and, you're, and you're listening that at night, Wow, tremendous! It's, it's a, it's a. You've definitely got a wee bit of knowledge, or whatever you've got, because that's that's kind of what the steps do you that, yeah, gratitude lists and all these different things. So, yep. Reading books, that's all it is. Reading books, but again, do you know what I kind of like getting the pushed up to I me? Mean, that's one of the things I've enjoyed with being a footballer. I kind of bring it on myself. Oh, <laughs> and we went to Magaluf, Kevin. I, I, I just brought, I just grabbed a book. I was never reading it just because I knew on the plane I opened this book up. <laughs> The boys are going to be all over me. It was just a talking point, so I can like it. Anyway, I'm going off, off tangent. Finally, the well, last thing I want to say is, going forward, you're optimistic about the fact that hopefully that we can limit some of these sort of negative impacts of gambling, because right now it's rising, right? And it's going, I think it is anyway. Do you feel 
optimistic or pessimistic that we can stop that and start to halt some of that pressure on the young? Um, I think, as I said, in football, in life, gambling is an epidemic. Um, I, I don't know where, unless we start becoming more, um, unless we start teaching people, um, unless we start giving people a little bit of knowledge, where drink, drugs, gambling, and all that can take you, then, yeah, you can only see it kind of getting worse. I think the only good thing nowadays is, is that you're in a society nowadays where it's okay to say that you're not okay, which is an amazing tool that we're that we've got to now and life has given us um, because of people's mental health and yeah it's, it's such a brave thing today to come out and, um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of big players there's a lot of big people in this life that are coming out now and saying they're kind of struggling with loads of things that are going on and but do I think that gambling will and football and I don't think it'll change to be honest with you now because I don't think that as you said you maybe have even the knowledge well, as in like figures wise well I don't know but as you said, who's going to bring in the revenue that enables um, like the, the, the money that they bring in for it to be morally correct? Is there anybody that could can they bring in that kind of money? And so for me, the only people, well, not the only people I feel sorry for, I really feel sorry for kids at football clubs. I really do. And you know what? If I could take it upon myself to go in every football club and give them a, a wee awareness stuff, and I could help that one person at every single club, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I have to say this year, starting this year, I had thought about writing a letter in every club um, and not about, not about, it's not about preaching and it's not about but just raising that wee bit of awareness and you know what, I'm lucky I've got that power even because I played football that people want to listen to you and they want to, I've got a wee bit of hilarity about me as well so I've got a wee bit of banter and, but there's a serious side amongst me that, that you know what, it, and it enables people people get drawn in with that kind of thing as well and, and so I, I mean, I would go in a heartbeat to help but do I think things are going to change? No, really not. And you know what? You know yourself. The, the, it went to South America, came into Europe, and it, ah, it, it, I mean, you've talked about there's different ways match fixing could be match fixing, and there's so many players getting investigated around the police, opening up different accounts with different peoples, and oh, it's crazy, man. And it'll only get worse. And as I said, all you're going to hear in the next wee while, I think the pandemic, I have to say, has probably stopped a lot of this. But I think it was getting to a stage where you were going to get big. Many more players coming out and being captured, and but I think because of the pandemic now, I think, and, and you know what, what's happening now is people are just going to kill us all online because nobody's going to care about it because the cookies are all shot, so um, yeah, it's a silent killer, you know. Yeah, I was, I'm a bit more optimistic than you, um, in terms of your see stuff you mentioned going actually open up talking about a few people are doing that, and I, I would really encourage you, Kev, to keep going around to clubs if you can, if when you get the opportunity, because. See, you're right, see the difference it makes someone that's played the game come in and has had these issues rather than just someone in a suit coming in or and, and telling them the, and preaching the issues or a teacher at school teaching the issues to actually see someone that's went through it has actually played the game. It makes a hell of a difference, honestly. I can see when I'm a, I'm a PE teacher, right? The kids know I play football, but they're not hard. They're not playing the East Fife pish. They're not interested. But see if I was to get a player <laughs> for like Hearts or Hibs, I was getting my mate Mark McNulty to come in and speak to them. They're buzzing. They're all, every word of his, even though he's talking nonsense, I'm telling them good stuff because <laughs> because they relate to him and he's he's been there. He's a footballer. He's done it. So I would encourage yeah. it. I would, honestly, I really would encourage you to keep doing that. Yeah, listen, I, I would I would get in a heartbeat. I think it takes probably somebody like yourself. It could probably help me do a wee bit of that to be honest with you because I'm kind of I'm not saying I'm limited. I mean, I still have loads of contact with loads of boys now. But I, if I could do that wee bit of help today, I would do it in a heartbeat. As I said, I would do it off my back. Um, 
hovering in business. I'm quite lucky that I would, I just, it's just giving back a wee bit. I, I took so much for football, I took so much for life. It's just now nice to give that wee bit back. And mm-hmm. if I could help that one person at every club, then I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Hey, we'll get some sorted, honestly. I'll put you, we'll, we'll get in touch with someone, we'll get you sorted. Because I think you've got a lot to offer. Um, in terms of people, if they're listening to this, where can they contact you? On Twitter, On Twitter, what's your uh, what's your handle if anybody wants to get in contact with you? Do you know it off by heart? I told seven. I mean, as I said, it's, uh, I, 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 would, I'm, I would be there for the help. There's loads of, I mean, there's loads of places, Gam Care, Gamblers Anonymous, but if you wanted to speak to somebody privately as a, like as a bigger football player, um, then I, 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 I would always be there privately. To, as I said, I've, I've been doing it for the last few years, so it's, I, it's nice to, to be able to, and not just even there to give advice, just to be there for a, an ear, just for people to kind of offload, because that's probably the greatest gift ever, just being able to spout all your, you know, your, all your stuff out and just having somebody there that totally understands what you've gone through. And then even when you say a couple of things to people that I go through way and that way, they're just sitting more than like, wow, do that to me, that's just having that identification in that as well, because most people don't have a clue about compulsive gambling. Um, but nah, if anybody, as I said, wanted to, and if I was in, I could date and help. Can even doing like school talks and doing things that I would do, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, I really enjoy doing it as well, and it's it's good for me as well. So yeah, great, great. Um, any listeners as well, contact me at Danny Denham or at LL Ramblings uh, thoughts on the show, etc. But aye, we'll have a wee chat off off uh, off recording if that's all right, Kev. But uh, have a good weekend, listeners, and uh, aye, take care.